Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Welcome to the Sound and Vision podcast. I'm Rachel Stevens. This episode, we're going to hear a lot from Emily Fox. She has been the host and senior producer of Sound and Vision for a few years now. It's her baby. But now she's off taking care of an actual baby that she just had. On this episode of the podcast, Emily talks to Greg Vandy and John Gilbreth. And well, I'll just hand it off to Emily. I'm Emily Fox, and we have launched an occasional series where we check in with KEXP DJs about songs that they have broke for the KEXP audience. And today I'm joined by Greg Vandy of The Roadhouse, which airs from 7 to 10 p.m. on Wednesdays. Hi, Vandy. Hey, Emily. How's it going? Good. So when I first pitched this series, you were a little skeptical because of this concept of breaking a band. Tell me more. Yeah, I was. You know, it's it's. there's always a, a chain of events and a series of things that happen before someone's broke. And it's just funny for me to break a band because there's always something or somebody before me, of course, that turned me on to the music and showed me the song. So I suppose for our audience, there's lots of songs that we all break uh, on the air during our shows, and I'm certainly one of them. And so you're going to talk about two artists today, the first of which is Courtney Marie Andrews. Is it in the stars? We saw truth. Why did the universe draw me to you? You're so magnetic. She was nominated for a Grammy last year. She's, you know, lived in this area. Tell me more about Courtney Marie Andrews when you first found out about her and your version of breaking her for KEXP. Yeah, we're all so proud of her. She's done so well. Her career's really been amazing to watch. Um, Back in 2016, uh, she was signed to a label that I love in Portland called Mama Bird Records. And they told me about her and at first I was skeptical Uh, she was a little singer songwritery for me at the time Um, but I kept listening and eventually the songs really you know they reached me and I thought they were great Um, so she came up and did a session for us this is probably the late summer early fall of 2016 and she did a session with four songs off of the album, which was called Honest Life, which is an early record for her. She uh, had been recording for a long time and really had been pursuing and, and traveling and moving around and doing shows by herself out there on the road at a very young age, like as a, you know 18, 19 year old, maybe even younger. When she got to our session, she, in my mind, was still a very young person, you know, still is today. And I was amazed just at the maturity of her songwriting. It was just amazing. And I thought she was going to be really popular based on just how good the songs were. And I thought she could really reach a, a certain crowd, that Americana crowd. And so we did the session. It went really well. If you want to look it up on YouTube, it's there. Yeah. I can't tell if the... Band-Aid on your knee is sort of <laughs> part of this whole hard travel and sort of mystique you're, you're putting across. <laughs> and, you know, within a couple of years, she's really become the darling of the Americana scene. You know, nominated for a Grammy, it's, it's been great. 
Um, she really put out two amazing records after Honest Life. So yeah, she's really poised to have a fantastic career and is really glad for her. And I understand too, you're kind of a champion of her. Like you went to a conference and ran into like Bob Boyland of NPR Music and was like, you need to listen to this <laughs> yeah. artist. And they didn't know who she was. That's right. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. You know, the Americana Fest is this thing that's a showcase event and, you know, panel discussions and music heads talking about music and it's pretty nerdy. And uh, there was this sort of discussion panel, this sort of thing where DJs would get together in a room and talk about, you know, who's going to be next and who should we be paying attention to? Like, who's going to be good for radio? And after it was over, I was gathering around. I saw Bob and I'm like, there's a group of people there. And I'm like, y'all heard Courtney Marie Andrews? And no one did. <laughs> I said, you got <laughs> you to check her out. And so and now they have. She's done a tiny desk. So happy to be playing for you and to, to see the famous desk. And uh, yeah, we're so happy. What's a song that you kind of heard early on that really struck you? Well, I think the song, she played the very first song in our sessions, How Quickly Your Heart Mends. She used to 10 bar. She's from Arizona originally, but she moved up here. But she was out there in Duval, you know, country rural living tending bar and there were characters in that bar and she wrote songs about them. That was Courtney Marie Andrews with her song How Quickly Your Heart Mends. Greg Vandy, there's another artist that you want to talk about, kind of breaking for the KXP audience, and that's Daniel, is it Norgren? Norgren, huge hero of mine, a fantastic artist. He's huge in Sweden, big in Europe, but did not have an American audience. And then uh, Terry Groves from Pickathon booked him to play the, the best festival ever, which is in Portland every summer. He's coming back this summer. That's where I saw him. And it was just like a mind-blower experience seeing him play live. I think that was probably his first show in the U.S., 2017. And he is just a singular artist. No one's like him. Yet he's really tapped into, like, the American tradition of music, you know, tapping into folk, blues, and and uh, soul. So he... Like I say, it blew me away, and it was like the discovery of that year for Pickathon. And uh, I think Terry discovered him from a Swedish contact, an organization called Woody West, based on Woody Guthrie on the west coast of Sweden. And uh, the guy, Kim, turned on Terry. Terry turned on us in a festival setting, and then I would play that record. I think the record at the time was Buck, B-U-C-K. It's just a deep record with songs that are like well they really penetrate they penetrated me anyway and the first song that i played a lot was this one here um howling around your happy home and you know the amazing thing about that song and that whole album was that initially when I heard it, I thought he was an American audience. I thought he was from Georgia or Alabama or something. And, and it wasn't until later um, that I discovered he's from Sweden. 
That's amazing. And, you know, for Daniel Norgren, you discovered him from a music festival. You know, we've had a lot of DJs here at KXP kind of discover music through festivals, which unfortunately have been few and far between over the past two years. Oh, but, I miss it. I miss it yeah, so much. I know. You know, or someone like um, Courtney Marie Andrews, like, you know, I think her publishing company reached out to you. But, you know, for for your show, you know, each week on the Roadhouse on Wednesdays, like how would you say that you discover most of the music that you play on that show? Well, that's a great question. I never know the answer. It really boils down to, like it is for everyone else, a, a personal connection with friends, colleagues, and publicists who are in the music business. But the problem with relying on people who are getting paid to promote an artist <laughs> is that you can't always trust them and you get too much from them all the time and you have to like have your own barometer. You have to have your own sense of taste and your own thing going on. After a while, you discover you have sort of trusted sources. Amazingly enough, there's enough music from those recommendations from that small circle to make a radio show every week. And you know, like other DJs, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of playing mostly new music. I say my mix is 75, 25 to, to new music versus old music. It's doubly special when these artists have nobody to help them. I mean, many of the artists I'm playing right now, some may have a publicist, which someone is paying that publicist, or they have a manager which is invested financially, but some artists just have nothing at all, and they're just recording music on their own, but they don't have any way to get it out, you know, in an efficient manner. So to play artists that have nothing and see them finally get something is really rewarding. Well, I've been talking with Greg Vandy of The Roadhouse, which airs each Wednesday from 7 to 10 p.m., talking about some artists that he broke early on in their career. Vandy, thanks so much for sharing these artists with us and, and chatting today. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Emily. And keep checking out new music. Bitter and confusing I'm glad That I found you And your this is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox, and we have launched an occasional series where we check in with KEXP DJs about songs they have broke for the KEXP audience. And today I'm joined by John Gilbreth, host of KEXP's Jazz Theater, which airs from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Monday mornings here on the station. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Good. So you have two artists that you want to share today. One is local, the other is a national act. Let's first start with Casa Overall. So he was born and raised in Seattle, now lives in New York City. When did you first start hearing about Casa, and when did you start playing his music? Well, you know, I come to this uh, uh, jazz theater on KEXP from a, a life in jazz in my my other life, I'm the executive director of Seattle's Earshot Jazz Organization. Uh, we produce Seattle's major jazz festival, and as a result, I've been immersed in the world for for a long time. I mean, even before I realized it, <laughs> really, when I was a kid. So I first became aware of Casa when he was in middle school here in Seattle. He wow. came up through the jazz school pipeline, playing at Washington Middle School, in the famous band, and then on to Garfield High School and their nationally known Garfield Jazz Band. He was always remarkable. 
And that's funny because actually this summer I recorded a conversation that he had with his middle school band teacher who's since retired about Robert Nett. Exactly yeah. how influential he was to Casa. Like it was, I think, Teacher Appreciation Day, and we wanted to reach out. We have such a strong school music scene. Like, you know, if you look at the high schools and again, even Washington Middle School, like how strong some of those band programs are. Absolutely. And to see, you know, Casa goes on to be a professional musician and he says that you know, Robert Nat, his middle school band teacher, was one of the most influential people to him because he treated you like a professional, like you wanted to work for him, like mm -hmm. you wanted to impress him. And he pushed you in a way that was loving yet very firm, Yes, which he says helped prepare him for the professional world. But when you first started hearing Casa's solo stuff outside of, you know, what he was doing with Seattle bands, what struck you about his music? Casa's always lived in this place of, you know, first of all, he's had this very strong identity as an artist, probably before he was really conscious of it. And like many people working in various aspects of music, especially, um, there's a tendency to, to get pigeonholed or to crawl into a particular genre and just dig in deep right there. And Casa was always a citizen of the world. And moreover, I think jazz in general has always had this really fluid relationship. And part of the, the juice that I really love about the art form is the, this forward-backward kind of a plug in it. It's, it's always got a mandate to reinvent itself as it goes along. And that's got a lot of inherent challenges, but it's got a lot of inherent beauty too. And I talked to Casa about this recently when I had him on the show is thinking that he could either be a jazz artist or he could do beats. Of course, I realized when I was asking that question that that's not that's not the way to look at it. It's all one thing. And so Cus has always had that ability to to be deep in the jazz tradition but still be so relevant, so of today and of the culture and the music and the life that we all grow up with around us. What's a song by Casa overall that you feel like exemplifies his sound, something that you've definitely played on your show? A release from a couple of years ago, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, called Go Get Ice Cream and Listen to Jazz. And again, with a, a foot planted firmly in hip-hop and firmly in the jazz tradition, this song, uh, When Will They Learn?, is a bit of a collaboration, a sample with a veteran jazz singer, Carmen Lundy, but very much grounded in the music of today. Wow, yeah, so very experimental. Again, that's Casa Overall with the song When Will They Learn off of the album Go Get Ice Cream and Listen to Jazz. Um, and I'm speaking with John Gilbreth, host of KEXP's Jazz Theater, about some artists that that he's discovered and, and shared with KEXP audiences over the years. And you want us to talk about one more artist today that you discovered pretty early on, which is Chris Davis. Tell me about her. Chris is a remarkable musician and really a, a genius in the flow. 
She has been a pianist uh, coming very much out of the avant-garde school and thinking of black avant-garde like Cecil Taylor, whom she samples on her Diatom Ribbons release. And Chris is another artist that we've presented here in Seattle going back 15, 20 years. Chris Davis has always been pushing the music forward. And again, the forward momentum of the music is where the juice is for me. And Chris has always been one of those artists that has been willing to step outside of convention, to not be bound by tradition, and to still you know, carry the tradition forward by being a progressive and innovative artist. She's done a lot of collaborations, like with Esperanza Spalding. She's, you know, won an award for the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation. Like, gone yes. on to do a lot of a lot of things. Well, yes, and increasing her um, her work exponentially. She has started a record label called Pyroclastic Records, and it's really been up and running for maybe five years, four years now. But it's blooming in a way that really supports generative artists. The geniuses and the, the hard-working artists that are making adventurous music uh, primarily out of New York City. So you had mentioned the title track off of the album, Diatom Ribbons. Again, this is Chris Davis. What do you love about this track? I love this track. The core of, of Chris's project is a trio with three really unique and super strong women the drummer Terry Lynn Carrington is part of it. She has uh, started the Jazz and Gender School at Berkeley School of Music. Uh, she's a NEA, National Endowment for the Arts, jazz master. And also in the trio then is an electronics artist, Val Ginty, who also produces under the name Val Inc., and that's the core trio. But Val is also sampling the voice of Cecil Taylor, the black avant-garde that just absolutely blazed trails into the music in the uh, 1960s and 70s and was one of the first to be named a National Endowment for the Arts Jazz Master. Cecil has been gone for a while, but this sample in the beginning of Diatom Ribbons is the voice of Cecil Taylor. And the essence of it is one that we all can relate to. He says, music changed my life. For me, music has saved my life. Because you also, it is something that no matter what kind of unfortunate social situation that you might be in, or whatever kind of rage or frustration. The thing that has always brought me back to understanding that there is another purpose of living is music. So that was a clip of Chris Davis and the title track off the album Diatom Ribbons, and I'm speaking with John Gilbreth. And I'm curious, um, John, like as we approach this series about breaking artists, like what does it mean to you to break an artist? You know, I, I would never take personal responsibility for, for something like that. I think the artist's trajectory is firmly established on its own path, and I'm grateful to be able to facilitate and to promote, to have the platform to showcase artists and to give voice to artists. One of my overarching goals for jazz theater is to present 
jazz as a really living, vibrant art form, not something that has just happened and should be looked at in a historical context, but something that is recreating and regenerating every day in in different forms, some slightly different, some very different. You know, I really, that's my mission (laughs) with the art form and the work that I can do around it. And that's what I want to showcase. Well, I've been speaking with John Gilbreth, host of KXP's Jazz Theater, which airs from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Monday mornings on KXP. John, thanks so much for sharing this music with us. Emily, thank you for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much to Greg Bandy, John Gilbreth, and of course, Emily Fox for these conversations about music discovery. If you like what you hear, please rate and review this podcast. Thanks so much for being here. This is Sound and Vision for KXP. I'm Rachel Stevens.